coming to you from the fucking We'll Do It Live studios. It's the Sons of Honarchy podcast with yeah. one of your co-hosts, Steve-O, that's at Drunk Shy Sox fan on Twitter. And the other one, <laughs> Take Tommy here. We're coming to you with a whole crock of shit <laughs> with a lot to get through. Um, but look, this is uh, we're, we're trying to do positive vibes, but we're not really going to get there, I don't think, because there's too much dog shit to talk about. Anyway, all of this brought to you by just us. So make sure you rate, subscribe, review to the Sons of Honarchy podcast wherever you catch your podcast, whether that be on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever that is. Yeah, go ahead and subs- <laughs> go ahead and subscribe to us. Um, and make sure you leave us a nice four or, you know, if you're feeling gracious, five star review. But we are everybody's favorite four star baseball podcast. So, you know what? And- Give us that nice solid four star rating uh, while you're at it. So happy Memorial Day for those of you that have the day off. I'm very grateful to have the day off, oh, Tom. Um, so happy and you were at the Coldplay concert last night. So I know you need it. Holy buckets. I literally I cried. I laughed. I, you know, like those stupid movie reviews that are like, it made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me get out of my seat and dance. Like that's, I mean, like legit though. It made me. And then, and then I watched the White Sox game earlier in the day. You know what? I, I didn't do any of those things. I'll tell you. I didn't laugh. I didn't, I, I might've cried a little bit, but I, I, all I remember is at the end of the White Sox game, I literally said fucking finally, and then turned off the radio. And at the end of the Coldplay concert, I was like losing my fucking mind. Like, please play another song. Like, <laughs> I know. I wish I wish this team, <laughs> I wish this team brought that kind of excitement. And oh, yeah. I felt the same exact way watching that Sunday Cubs game is there. You know, uh, we've already named an episode this Sons of Honarchy season episode, or season four here. We've already named one of them winning ugly is sweet. That yeah. de- that that winning ugly just didn't even seem sweet to me. No, like there was no silver lining. It was ugly as shit. Um, I mean, props to the bullpen props to Dylan cease, but the only run scored and, and our guy Shane Spagnola in the comments here, Spag. lucky spag um, says it was stressful. Yeah, it was, it was, you know, the, 12 the guys bull- on base bullpen keeps us on the edge of our seat offense can't produce and the only production within the first nine innings is a passed ball run (laughs) i i just i i can't get over how bad this offense is tom it's it's terrible it's absolutely fucking terrible we're we're what is this third to last third to last in the majors in third to last in extra base hit yep behind pittsburgh only behind us are pittsburgh and detroit those teams blow <laughs> like this team. Uh, and, and we were talking and it's like, the, there's a couple, there's definitely guys you can point at and be like, you're bad right now. And you're bad right now. But it feels like the whole goddamn lineup, just bad, bad, bad. Oh, and Tim's gone and Tim's gone. Yeah. Yeah. How great is that? Thank you. Spags. Yeah. It's like, really, really? What the fuck are we going to do now? Uh, well, we're going to see a lot of Leary at short, which is just can't wait. Can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and you know what? That, that leads me to say this. Jake Berger has looked like, you know, a solid, you know, at least over the last week, he's looked pretty freaking solid, especially at the plate. And thankfully we got a little bit of uh, hitting production out of him this past weekend in, 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 in general. 
Yeah, and and in particular uh, with that game-winning single. Uh, at, yes. in the, what was that? The twelfth and it God felt longer than twelve innings, but it was twelve. Yeah, yeah. So, I will say my two hot takes. Two hot oh, takes. Here we go. This is what we live for. Both jerk Jake Berger. Both jerk Berger. Um, Berger. <laughs> so first one. Yesterday's single. That would have been a line drive that was caught if they had three outfielders out there. They had, they they set it up with five infielders. That like if there was a third outfielder, he would have been pulled in. They would have it's caught very, that. It's very possible. Yeah, I'd be look. You know, what? I should go look up the expected batting average on that in a minute. <laughs> it's like the number four. Like, <laughs> hey, it works though. Base hit him to death, baby. Um, <laughs> number two hot take. Jake Berger. He's got to play second base. Oh, boy. Defense doesn't matter, Steve. It doesn't matter. He already we, can't He already can't all, move at third. He can't I, move at third at all. You want to move him to second, which well, requires more range. Him. Maybe that'll fix him. Like, he, he's got a tough – he's playing a tough third base, so we put him at second base, and he'll be better. It's one less base to think about. You know, third base, that's three bases. If he's at second base, it'll be easier because there's two bases. Well, we all know that Rick Hahn, arithmetic, Steve, you're, you're like Rick Hahn in this fact that you absolutely love Jake Berger and you think that he should be plugged in to the starting lineup immediately. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. I am not of that thought. <laughs> I am of the thought once again that the front office completely fucked this up by believing that Jake Berger, Leary Garcia, Josh Harrison was was going to be your answer going into this year. Um, it's just absolutely shameful looking at the numbers. I mean, you've got Josh Harrison, who's got an OPS plus of 47. Leary, who has an OPS plus of, yeah, of 37 for Leary. Okay. You can't even platoon these guys and, and act like it's okay. It's so bad. And here, here's the deal with, with guys like Leary, like Josh Harrison, Jake Berger, Adam Engel, they are great 24, 25, 26 bench guys. Yeah. You you cannot think about playing these guys 120 games a year or even 100 games a year and expect to be a championship caliber club when yeah. the rest of the offense isn't producing the way they should outside of Tim, who's now hurt, <laughs> Luis, who's supposed to be coming back uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, hopefully. Um, and, and uh, Lisa Bray is warming up a little bit, which I love to see too. I know that you yeah. shouted me out on Twitter. Jose Bray's back. And I was like, never thought I'd see the day. Cause you know, he's always, he's always back, which is like, that doesn't make sense, but he really is. He's always like coming back. But anyway, you, you caught me giggling while you were listening off those names. Cause you did. In fact, thank you. Spags forget men. Dick is back uh, on the team. I, I, I swear to God. I swear to God. He must have two houses. Like he's, He's constantly in Charlotte and he's constantly up here with the ball club. Like the guy can't catch a break. He can't settle in anywhere, but like, Hey, he's getting those major league checks. He's probably fine. Like, eh, he's, you know, making that nice, nice league minimum, but yeah, uh, every other paycheck is a uh, league minimum. And the other paycheck is Charlotte minimum, <laughs> like whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it just goes to show that obviously the minor league depth is not there 
for this team to pull from AAA and be like, hey, we've got somebody that's that's in the works that we might be putting up putting him up a little bit sooner than we want, but he should be ready to go. I mean, so, it's a it's a bunch of guys who are quadruple A for life, um, which is just really or are at the point in their career like Josh Harrison where they they look like they're absolutely toast. Yeah. So I it's. I'm just, I'm just thinking about how you were saying Jose Abreu was toast like a week and a half ago. <laughs> hey man, I hope I'm wrong about Josh Harrison. The glove's been the glove has been meh, but uh, yeah, yeah. And, and and you know what? I'll take a meh glove out of him. It's uh, it's just painful thinking about how bad he's been at the plate. And I do not care about this stat at all, Jordan Miller. Thank you for joining us in the chat. I don't care that Mendick has a 754 OPS because it's like how many plate appearances? 40? Come on, get out of here. It's like 12, actually, or something. I'm sure. Atrocious. We're not going to check the numbers because it doesn't matter. It doesn't fucking matter. He's it really. The fact hey, Mendick, that. Chill, bro. Chill. <laughs> like... <laughs> well, speaking of guys who are completely rusty and, and do look like they are ah. burnt toast, ha. let's talk about something that we can celebrate. The Dallas Keuchel era has come to an end. Woo. Hallelujah. Very grateful for that. <laughs> oh, man. I I mean, look, I'm never going to like relish the fact that I was just celebrating it like two seconds ago. I'm never going to relish the fact that somebody lost a job. But look, first of all, he's going to be fucking fine. He's owed. This is per ESPN. So take it with a grain of salt. It's numbers. So it's it's correct. He's owed $14,456,044. By the White Sox after he got DFA'd, so that, that's the the twelve million dollar salary plus the buyout for the twenty twenty three season. Yes, the man had a buyout of his option for the twenty twenty three season. Fucking hell, bro! Like he hey, is fine. That is okay. He's also gone, which is the best part. He's fucking gone, bro. You know there was something in his contract too, where if he pitched a certain amount of innings in twenty two, he would be like his buyout would be more or they had to give him an offer for 23. So I'm really glad <laughs> that taking that offer in a fucking heartbeat. <laughs> they are just finally severing ties with Dallas Keuchel. Yes. And it was very nice to see his, I think he had 11 starts in, uh, in 2020 during the pandemic yeah. year. Uh, and it was, it was nice to see him pitch. Well, I had a feeling it wasn't going to last long. I thought right. maybe he'll have a solid 21 and then 22. It's going to be all downhill. I remember us arguing about that too. I was like, he's going to be fine. He's going to be pitching into his forties, man. No, <laughs> no. Especially, especially when you've got Kelly Nash as, you know, the new breadwinner of the house, he's going to be totally fine. He is fine. So fine. I'm not, I'm not sad that Dallas Keuchel's out of a job. I'm glad that the white Sox finally realized sunk cost. Right. Like, I can't remember who I heard talking about this. I want to say it was Herb Lawrence on the CHGO podcast. Yeah. yeah. But he referenced probably a month ago, like, hey, what the White Sox need to realize is that Dallas Keuchel is sunk cost. Just wipe it off the board. Start new um, and don't try and drag them along like the Cubs are doing with Jason Hayward. Yeah. Um, think about how. For example, if the Cubs were in the White Sox situation, what they would do with somebody like Jason Hayward, they should do the absolute same. Um, the White Sox are actually probably a little late to the game with Dallas Keuchel, 
but I, they gave him all the chances they could, I suppose. They right? really did. They really gave him every chance. Uh, it's it's just okay. So, but that brings us to that brings us a great question. Now the Dallas Keuchel era is over. What is your favorite memory of the Dallas Keuchel experience? Well, I got a couple. Um, so mine are not in twenty season. So there's that. Yes, yes, I did mention the twenty twenty season and the. Uh, was that the one? Yeah, no, they lost that game. He got shelled against Oakland, though. That is something to to kind of leave. Yeah. That was really the downhill, to be honest yep. with you. Yeah, it started shelled. right there. That's where it started, getting shelled in the playoffs. Um, I do have two personal moments that mean a lot to me with Dallas Keuchel, uh, just because I was in the ballpark for them. So the first um, was his start against uh, the New York Skankies this year. Um <laughs> Where he just went out and, and dealed. And the Yankees have never been able to hit Dallas Keuchel. It's it's one of those weird things with the Yankees historically where they can't hit Dallas Keuchel, but they hit Liam Hendricks. It's always yeah. like, it's this very weird, uh, like the team matters for some reason. Yeah. Or there's like that mentality uh, when you're going up against them. So it's harder um, to hit 88 than it is to hit 99. Go figure. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, when you got a lot of fastball hitters like they do on that team, yeah. fastball sluggers too. Yes. Um, but Dallas, uh, his start this year against the Yankees, being with two other Yankees fans that you know were like, they've got to hit him finally, right? Like, <laughs> are we going to see Dusty Dallas or Diamond Dallas? And we saw Diamond Dallas that night, even though he complained about how much he pitched that night, which was another sign. Like, I think him something to think about too is it's not just his pitching performance. It's his delusion. It's right. his idea that like he's going to figure or, like I didn't have the right stuff today or, or right. you know, like I, I, I could or then then a start where he does well. And he's like, I wasn't kept in long enough. And I was like, right. Bitch, please. Like, what were Just you going to do? Dub. Just take the dub. Like, it's like you you're, you're going to go face three, four and five or four, five and six in their lineup again. And the yeah. hottest offense in baseball. Like, get out of here, dude. Um, but I did enjoy seeing that start this year. And then my other fam- favorite Dallas memory is an atrocious one for him last year. <laughs> White, White Sox Cubs game. I want to say it was the Friday night game at home. Mm. And the Cubs got off to a seven run first to start the game in the top half. Dallas was pitching <laughs> in the top frame of that <laughs> yeah. inning. Uh, and Dallas was awful. There were so there was, I think at least, I think there was one defensive mishap, like one overthrow by Tim or something. Yeah. Um, or by Mankata, one of the two. Which um, then he went to post game was like, yeah, I would have been fine if I. <laughs> of course, yeah. So, <laughs> but he gave up seven in the first. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it was it was an ugly seven. So, um, I remember that game so clearly because obviously the White Sox came back and won it. And it's probably one of my favorite crosstown classic games I've ever been to. But yeah, Dallas was on the mound for it. And boy, oh, it was a football score. 17 to 13 that game. So. <laughs> Freaking wild. Yeah, I think I think you kind of touched on what my favorite moments were basically with his delusion. Right. Like I, I just <laughs> loved how cocky he was. I, he was so cocky in like give he had a 77 ERA and like a week ago he was like yeah I'm fine and it's like dude what is wrong with you but uh we all remember we all remember when Dallas Keuchel went to the media and said uh you know hey it's uh it's time to make a winning winning culture for the White Sox so I, I had to go into the uh, clubhouse and do a lot of teaching 
Um, it was a direct quote. I had to do a lot of teaching. Direct quote from you now DFA'd. I still Dalek. can't get over that quote. It's it is ridiculous. So, it's absurd. It's he's he's just an absurd human. I don't I don't get it. Like I don't know how that where that confidence comes from, but like hell, he got a Cy Young and now he's gone. Like gone forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not a not a Cy Young with us, that's for sure. Oh no, no, God, no. Uh you know, but hey, I, I in all honesty though, I do have a favorite moment, and it's it's when we signed him. You know, when we signed okay. him, I just the the euphoria of having a big name pitcher, like a a, a pitcher that everyone in the MLB knows this guy's name and the White Sox just signed him like that felt so good. And I mean, we were big and winners that year and it that didn't really, you know, matter in the long run, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's just that that really kicked it off in a way because we, we we were looking it was like yasmani and dallas and it's like those are two huge names and they're both white Sox players it's like it felt good it just felt good and it was all downhill from there <laughs> basically basically <laughs> but hey uh that's uh that's the end of the era exactly we can bury it officially Put it, put it on the gravestone. Nice, ni- nice to say that you can just wrap it, put a bow on it, and call it a day now with, with Dusty Dallas. RIP in peace. We got Johnny Cueto now. Let's go. Hey, I'll tell you what. <laughs> and and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Johnny Cueto, actually, in a, in, in a little bit, too, um, in regard to his, his last start on, on Saturday. Um, but I know you got a bone to pick, Tom, and I, I want to get to that right away. God, oh, God, do I have a bone to pick. So, hey, uh, look, the Charlotte Knights, what the fuck are you doing? Okay, like, we talked about them last week, too. You know, you already had Wes Helms managing that, that clubhouse for way too damn long, right? But now you had one goddamn job. You had one job, and it was keep Eloy healthy in his rehab. Bro is on the on the IL again. Like, he couldn't get through his rehab stint because now he's got some fucking leg injury again. Yeah. Leg soreness. He had to leave the appearance. God damn it. Charlotte. What are you doing? Like the only thing that Charlotte should exist for is to give our hitters confidence when they go down there. Cause you can hit dongs in that ballpark. Like it's like, it's no problem launching pad, but that's, that's the only thing it should exist for. I, I don't care about anything else besides being healthy and watching highlights of our players in rehab stints hitting just mammoth home runs. That's the only thing that should come from Charlotte. And we've got like bad press headlines from them and injured rehabbing players. So what the fuck? I- I'm sick and tired of hearing about Charlotte because every time I hear about them, it's bad news. It's just bad news. I'm sick. I'm sick. Fair. Well, hey, Lance Lynn had a good rehab start few innings that he pitched out in charlotte so there's some good news for you tom let me, be, trying... let me be mad steve let not me gonna be, be all doom can't be all doom and gloom no and and here's the i the loy thing i is he ever gonna be healthy i'm really worried i mean this is a guy that the white Sox, you know with the quintana trade he was the main piece right this guy's right. gonna mash the ball he's gonna be a 500 home run guy in his career like he's just his raw power is unlike anything we've ever seen. 
we haven't seen it since 2019. I mean, in 2020, yeah. he had a solid season too. He was healthy. It was a shortened season. He didn't have a ton of pop, but mm-hmm. was getting a lot of good contact and, and a lot of a lot of promising things. But we haven't seen any sort of major power from him since that time, since 2019 yep. and a little bit in 2020. Yep. Are we ever going to see Aloy Jimenez healthy in a White Sox uniform? <sighs> I mean, what we've got like, however many, like two or three, three or four more years, whatever it is. Like, I don't know, man. He, I mean, maybe next, my, my fear is that like he puts it together, but it's a year too late. Like, you know, the year after Geo walks and, and it's like, I don't know, man. I just feel like it's going to be, he's going to mash once the window's closed. Like. That's that's what I feel. And that sucks because we need him to mash right now. But there's also like think about it in this sense, like we're begging for like the real alloy. Uh, maybe we get it in the back half of this season, like like 2019 when he mashed was the back half of the season. So we got a shitty <laughs> look at this. Look at this man. Greg Miller. He wants to trade him. Uh, you can't trade a guy who can't stay healthy. Like, and, and when, and he says, once he proves he can stay healthy, once he proves he can stay healthy, we're going to want him. Like, you don't want to trade that guy. Like, so I, I just think of it, think of it in the sense of like, you know, you can't trade him now because nobody wants him because he's hurt. And if you want to get him healthy before you can trade him so that you can trade him by that point, you shouldn't trade him because you're in your window and he's a good player. So it's all, it's. It just seems like it just feels like that that we're on the cusp of being a good team. And, and I know that's crazy to say after that, like bad loss two days ago to the Cubs. And you're the, talking about we're on the cusp of being a good team for this season, this season, that the, White Sox, the White okay. Sox, because I was going to say this team, according to and we'll talk about this in a minute, too. But A.J. Pierzynski with his. uh with his comment about what yep. the White Sox should be this year, right? Yep. They were a good team last year. They were a good team in 2020. They're mm-hmm. not a good team right now, and we no. can honestly say that. When we evaluate this team, we're not going to say they're good. Yeah, yeah. So that you're saying they're on the cusp right now, in your opinion, of being good this year. I think, like, look, maybe I shouldn't say on the cusp because we really do need, like, TA to come back. One, I think, like, give us – four weeks of uh, of continued like 500 baseball we got four more weeks of 500 baseball imo and then once once that happens once those four weeks are up i bet you tim's back and i bet you Aloy's back and lance those three guys are back in in four weeks right ish ballpark don't like give me a month is what i'm saying like yeah i'm gonna say i'm gonna i'm gonna gonna up you i'm gonna up you five weeks okay They've got to get through the San Francisco series. If they are a 500 ball club, be a 500 ball club. Shout out to <laughs> shout out to Paul Sanchez, former baseball coach. Um, bring a jacket. Um, he okay. In five weeks from now, one, two, three, four, five. It will be July 4th. Exactly. Yep. If they can get to that July 4th series against the Twins, be a 500 ball club and start taking care of business. Everybody's healthy. We're ready to go. I know that's the Kenny Williams way with staying healthy, right? I would say we're beyond even what our our Twins fan, Joel, here in the comments is saying. 
would you say we are on the cusp of being on the cusp of being a good team? No, I think we are right on that edge. I really do. I know we're five games back in Minnesota right now. I think Minnesota's playing out of their minds right now. I yeah. think this Minnesota baseball team is the Twinkies um, are are not are not what their record says they are. You're getting stellar performances from average starting pitching. Yeah, um, you got a bullpen that I don't believe in, um, and Byron Buxton is the is the healthiest or when when healthy is the best player in baseball. But there's a huge caveat in that. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and I know they're they're starting to fall. They're they're not. I don't know if they're falling apart, but they're definitely starting to have some injury problems already throughout the year. So the White Sox are hitting this stretch right now, where it's you know we're revving up, starting to get healthy. I'm not ready to throw in the towel. Yes, it's rough being back home, losing three out of five to Boston uh, and the Cubs combined. Right. So they're catching teams. At their hottest point, they really the Yankees, are. the Red Sox. I haven't seen the Cubs hit the way they did and at any time in the last. Well, I should take that back because they were hitting really well against the Reds. Yeah, they've been, but, they've been hitting well for like a week now or so. Right. You know, getting revved up against the Reds to face us is, yeah. is, is a nice warm up, you know. <laughs> so I, I've got some, I've got faith. I've got faith. And and to go back on the Aloy thing, do you know who's a, who Aloy's career reminds me of Tom so far? Oof. Uh, who's, who's injured a lot. I don't, I don't know. Tell me guy who didn't have a healthy season started in the league at age 22. Just like I actually, I think Aloy started maybe at 23, but this guy had a few games in 2014, played a bunch in 2015, injured 16, 17, 18 and then had his first 162 in 2019. It's a guy you wanted in the offseason. Jorge Soler. Oh my God. That's actually, that's low. That's a good comp. He reminds me a lot of Jorge Soler. It's, it's not, it's not good defense. The team is worried about him because of his defense. They're worried about him because of his health issues, but can hit the absolute cover off the ball. And he's going to go win a world series with somebody else. There you go. So, so is it well I'm hoping it, <laughs> he's going to be a huge no, he, he won he won a world series with the Cubs. He won a world series with the Cubs, man. He, yeah, he but, was on he was on that team, right? Yeah, he was on the 2016 team. He didn't get traded until uh not not the contributor, not like a huge contributor though. Like he was a contrib like think about it the, the way that I meant. Like the way that I meant is like he's going to be just absolute and I and I said like he's going to be a year too late with that production. Like he's going to go off somewhere else I, I i just i feel it man and it's gonna kill me i hope it's i hope i hope it's not true but even true. even those 86 games that he played and those 200 and i think 270 some 250 oh no 264 at bats um in a uh in a cubs uniform in 2016 even that kind of production from Aloy. i mean if you're gonna get him to patch in 80 plus games this year and and hit the cover off the ball if it's at the right times, let's do it, man. Uh, I'm Look, really hoping that I'm really hoping that he he flourishes sooner than later. But yeah. I, I don't say give up on him. I'm just you know. No, it's no, funny that we're having this kind of conversation. You know, I what I'm what I was about to point that out too is like first of all, 
we're a team at, at Memorial Day, which is where you usually look at yourselves and you say, okay, we kind of can see a good sample size on what the team really is. We're at 500. We were not supposed to be here. So we're talking a lot of positivity about being on the cusp of being on the cusp of <laughs> being a good team. Thanks, Joel. But uh, where's all this positivity coming from? What I'm trying to say is, Steve, I know you have a bone to pick. Oh, baby. You already know I got a bone to pick. I got a bone to pick. And it's and it's with the front office, okay? Um, anybody who seriously thought, and we I already brought this up, so I won't elaborate. Anybody who really thought that Josh Harrison, Wayuri Garcia, Jake Berger were the answer, uh, no. No. So I already brought up the numbers. It's, I'm worried that the front office doesn't make a move at the deadline. What if the White Sox at the deadline are still five games back in Minnesota? Do you think that they have the guts cojones, to put it on the line? I mean, I would worry. My thing is I would worry if they did, right? I would worry because what I mean by that is I'm losing a little faith in my mans. Uh, in Rick? Like, yeah, because it's like... Yeah. It, there's a ton of outfield really good players out there. And I think that could be a hole that we can patch. Like, we can still patch that right field hole because AJ Pollock is not cutting it, right? But, wait, wait. The temptation is to go out and trade for you know, another position of need, which is second base. And second base is not a deep position across the league. We can't just, you know, cherry pick a, an a all-star amazing second baseman because they're few and far between, far, few and far between, and they're all on contending teams already. So what the fuck do you want? Like we have Josh Harrison who sucks ass. I'll admit, but, I don't know what a better solution is, to be honest. Like, we keep looking around the league, and it's like, uh, trade for Gene Segura, or, like, Gene Segura's on a good team. Or on a, not a good team, but on a team that's trying to go for it. And, like, there's there's just not second baseman out there. Eduardo Escobar got picked up and is on the fucking Mets. Like, there's there's not really good second base options. Maybe you could get a shortstop and, and ask him to go to second base. Like, that's an option, possibly, to trade for and, and kind of shoehorn it in. But again, we're already complaining about defense, Steve. So you want to go and like fuck up the defense again? And that's why I say jo Jake Berger to second base. Don't make any trades during the the, <laughs> the deadline. And let's just fucking roll with it, baby. You got to trust. That. You're funny. For that. You got to enjoy the ride, Steve. Enjoy oh, my God. Ride. I'm joined here by Steve Stone. Steve Stone, how you doing today? <laughs> oh, oh. I'm be happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not enjoying the ride, though. That's the problem, you know. And yeah. I, something something's got to give, and I I still am holding out. And I brought this up last week. There's no way that these veterans can per, be this bad for the rest of the year. Are all these guys going to have career low numbers? I mean, I already mentioned Jose Abreu is kind of on the up and up, right? He's hitting above league average now, right? But it would still be an extremely low year for him in comparison to the rest of his career if his numbers stayed the same. Yasmani, yuck. 
Like, there's no See, way he's gonna. There's no way he's gonna be this bad the rest of the year. Even nah, Leary, there's hopefully. no way he's gonna be that bad for the rest of the year. AJ Pollock, OPS plus of sixty six. There's no way he's gonna be this bad for the rest of the year. Um, Aloy, not in the lineup yet. Um, we've had Luis. That's you know, you got like guys like for example, Jose Abreu has one hundred and eighty nine plate appearances, whereas Luis only has one hundred and forty four, and usually he's batting above Abreu in the lineup. So, I, I don't know. I think we have the. I I want to believe we have most of the right pieces. It's just it all comes down to performance and. When the finger gets pointed, I think a lot of times it, it has to come down to the coaching staff, too. Yeah. Um, ESTLR, but also deeper than that. Frank Menachino. I've been calling for his head now for almost a month, right? You can't have 11 games, Tom. 11. 11 games this year where they've scored zero or one run in the first nine innings of a game. Yeah. In mm-hmm. the first nine innings. One or zero runs 11 times. That's a quarter of their games this year. That's so bad. A quarter of their games, one out of four, they're putting up a run or less. That's never acceptable. Somebody has to be held accountable. Well, it'll be acceptable in like a hundred loss season, but. Right. Not with a team. (laughs) Not with a team where people are saying, yeah, they're going to run through their division and Mm -hmm. possibly have a chance to contend for a, a pennant. Yeah. Oh, it feels so much better. See, we were so positive before and it just didn't feel right. Now there I feel, we go. Now feel you so feel the, the mood is in now. Right? Yes. You got the mood is settling in. <laughs> and, oh man. And so this this is the thing. I know people say coaching, you know, and, and the personnel that's in the dugout doesn't matter that much. In this situation, I really think it does because it's multiple guys who can't figure out their shit. It's not just one veteran who's struggling majorly and everybody else has it together, right? Mm -hmm. It's a team mentality. Yep. It was a throwaway comment during that Fox broadcast with AJ Przinski. And wasn't it? Was it Len? Yeah, Len was in the booth with him. That was that, that was weird to me because it was like I, I like was sitting there and I was like, this is a Sox broadcast. It, it was not. But like, anyway, um, but it was a throwaway comment like at the start of the game. And AJ's like, yeah, there have been 45 games and 45 different lineups used by T- TLR. And like how like the offense is slumping. I don't know, like try running it back and like giving these guys an opportunity to settle into a fucking spot in the order, settle into a lineup. Like I, I would be really interested to see if there's a similar stat along how the fielding is set up. Cause I feel like there hasn't been a back to back day where the lineup in the field or the batting order has been anywhere close to what it was the day before. I feel like every day, like we're in a, we're in a we're in a club that's supposed to have their core uh completely settled. They have everything that they need, all the players that they need to com- contend. And what that usually means is like plug this guy in the left field, plug this guy in the right field, plug this guy in the center, plug that guy at short, plug that guy at third, plug that guy at first and run your fucking lineup. You know, like it's supposed to just be the same shit cuz these guys are good enough to play every day. It's not like Bullshit like this, where it's like changing the lineup every day, changing the way everybody's playing out in the field every day. That's for teams that suck ass 
and you're trying to make something out of nothing. This team doesn't suck ass. Let them play their fucking positions and same spot in the order and they'll figure it out because they're good. I don't know. I mean, I just like anyway, I, I didn't realize I was about to get real ticked up out that. But yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely infuriating. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that the lineup construction is playing such a big part in, in all of this, right? We have to think all of these different lineups. And I know it's the same idea we talked about with the bullpen, like with Craig Kimbrell. You know, it, if he's a good pitcher, he should be able to pitch wherever. Seventh inning, eighth inning, ninth inning. Okay. There is a mental aspect to baseball that cannot be measured by statistics, that cannot be measured by looking at, you know, advanced data and metrics, right? There's that mental component that, especially struggling players. When a player is struggling, they're looking for consistency. They're not looking to be bounced back and forth in the lineup, up and down, different positions. There has to be a sense of, this is your spot, go out there, do your job, because this is what you're good at, right? And they have those guys in the lineup, as you said, Tom, that can really do this, that are able to. And it's just all about consistency at this point. It's like, for example, my first few games of playing softball um, over the last uh, four or five. Yeah, exactly. Right. Men's 12 inch softball. You know, Um, (laughs) they were bouncing me around in the lineup. I started as a leadoff guy. Then they moved me to second. Then they moved me to eighth. Then they moved me to like sixth. And then finally, the last couple of games, they've batted me last, right? And a lot of that has to deal with, yes, I suck and I cannot hit the ball. <laughs> but they batted me last. And the last couple of games, I've made really good contact. Last game, I went two for two, right? It's because I know my place in the lineup now. I know where I'm supposed to be batting. It's in my head. It's not something I have to think about. Um, so these guys need that too, especially considering they're playing the game every single day. So Playing the game every single day. And they're fucking, this is, I'm just, it feels like we're, we're, Tony's not treating them like they're men almost. It's like he's fucking with their livelihood or whatever. I don't know. I'm like, I'm really heated about it. And I'm like drawing greater conclusions than I think I need to be about it. But like, I really think that is a source of a lot of these issues is that Tony's not just letting them go out there and play. He's trying to do too much. He's trying to fuck around too much. And it's actually causing a problem. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I I know that I was somebody who said a little while ago that, yes, the guys go out there and, and they play the game, which I still agree with. You know, mm-hmm. ultimately, it comes down to the guys going out there and performing, but make it easier on them. You got to right. start making better decisions. and. Yep. You know, just, you know, almost picking. It almost seems like some games it's getting names getting picked out of a hat. Right. right. In regard to the batting order um, outside of Tim batting one and a Bray batting four. Right. Yeah. It's like those are the two solidified spots. All right. Let's start drawing straws. That, Which is wild. It's just right. wild. Like it's you little, can't it's have, little league. there's nine guys who play in the field and nine guys who play in the lineup, you know, because I'm like thinking pitcher designated hitter. But still, like. You can't have only two guys that play the same spot in the lineup and the same spot in the field every day. Like, there's no consistency. I, I, what I think about is like how we as fans we draw up like, oh, what's the best lineup for this team? And we draw it up and we and we mull it over and we argue about, no, this guy should bat here, this guy should bat there. But we pretty much all agree 
on the guys who should be in the lineup every day when healthy. And then we, you know, argue about who should bat two, three, four. Tony's out here fucking around and like has the, he just throws out completely what the best lineup should be. And he's like, what do I feel like doing today? And then these Sunday getaway day lineups, like yesterday was actually a pretty shitty lineup. If you think about it, like mind you, he's dealing with injuries and Tim, Tim went down and Danny Mendick had to come in, but that lineup was not a contending team's lineup. You have Jake Berger, Danny Mendick, fucking AJ Pollock, who sucks ass right now. Reese McGuire out here. Like it was, it was not a good lineup, dude. Well, and hey, ever since you started ripping on AJ Pollock, he's actually been playing a little bit better. So he was you know, complete he, shite the last couple days. You dingbat. I'm sorry. That was a, that was aggressive. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. You can get passionate about AJ Pollock sucking, but but by the end of the year when he's got an OPS plus of like 110, you can uh, go ahead and ki- kindly kindly lick the bottom of my scrotum dude what, what you think could. about it this way your bar has consistently <laughs> dropped and dropped and dropped i'm pretty sure you said that he was guaranteed to have like a 140 ops no 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 like, that's the months of june and july throughout his career yeah if, dude i'm not I'm, gonna say he's the 140 ops I, at that point he's gonna be contending for an mvp you're like i mean Oh, you're going to have to lick the bottom of my scrotum when he's like barely better than league average is like what you just told me. It's like one, 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 ten plus. That's solid. That's it's it's exactly it's solid. It's like a little bit better than the average player. And so I am not expecting AJ Pollock to be a superstar this year. I'm expecting him to be a good, solid player because think about what we've had in right field over the last several years. It's I don't know atrocious. why you're tra- I don't know why you're hitting uh, Trace Thompson right now. His brother is in the NBA. Finals. Of all the guys you could defend, you go for Trace Thompson. Not even like Can't, that. Not even Mc, not is- even McDonald's All American <laughs> Daniel Polka. Come on now, let's be real here. No, and and uh, I do have to one last thing. You know, as we're talking about second and third base and people getting plugged in, um, it's it's atrocious, right? Um, it just looks so. Bad, man combined second and third um sorry i'm talking about two and three hitters this year yeah it's, yeah, yeah. It's number two the lineup. yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yes number two so hitter, the, num- hitter. the number two and three hitters in this lineup right um and mind you it's been a, a rotating door it's not the consistent guys weighted on base average of 251 okay that's good enough for a hitting average i know you love batting average tom one night Two, 192 batting average, 241 on, 241 on base, 321 slugging. Oh, Jesus. Uh, good enough for a 563 OPS. That slugging is so bad. Right. And, I mean, if you if you want power numbers, right, if you're a power numbers guy, you're like, okay, like, what about their ISO power? Are they, are they bringing pop to the plate, right? Even, like, for example, the Boston Red Sox, who have the highest – uh, weighted on ba- uh, weighted on base average of their two and three hitters at 412 this year, right? Not bringing a lot of power with an ISO power of 202 compared to the Yankees with like 324 out of those spots. But the White Sox ISO power in that compartment is 130. Okay, I, it's like two is respectable, two plus is respectable, right? Um, and right now the White Sox are at 130, and just like perusing through the numbers, it's like bottom five in the league out of those spots for sure. 
So you're not getting power. You're not hitting for average. You're not hitting 300 the Frank Minecano way. Yeah. Um, you're not taking walks. Mm-hmm. It's and just it's, bad. It's also like those are the spots in the order, two and three. I'm glad you picked those ones because those are the spots in the order that are supposed to produce at a high clip. And they're just not. They're they're like you might as well like have read off the seven and eight part uh, parts of the lineup. Like these are the guys that you're supposed to be able to hide guys that are producing like that. You're supposed to be able to hide in a contending team's lineup. And yet we're like, that's the production we're getting out of the top of the order. Like exactly. Exactly. And I got to give some credit. That was Casey bogus law on Twitter who, uh, who posted that information via fan graph. So thank you for making it easy uh, for my eyes to read through in order yeah. to, uh, <laughs> in order to rip on just how bad the, the good guys on this lineup should be. Yeah. Um, so a healthy Mankata is going to be key. I mean, I, there's so many keys to this year that just have not fallen into place yet. And once a couple of those things do, I have, I have hope. I really do. But right now, it's just so hard to watch as a fan and as somebody that had extremely high expectations for this year. Absolutely. Now, um, to flip the script a little bit here on you, Steve. Yeah, let's um, do it. We didn't really get to talk about how's your week, uh, which we usually talk about how our weeks are at the start of this because, you know, we like to kind of catch up and like, you know, just bullshit around for a little bit. But um, I know that a lot of people's weeks, a lot of people's weeks were kind of shite. Um, and well, I'm, I'm going to give the floor to you because I know you've got you've got something something to say. No, 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 for sure. Um, obviously, the tragedy um, that occurred in Uvalde, Texas um, over what day was that, Tom? Monday, Tuesday. Um has sat deep in my heart over the past week, uh, obviously as, as an educator, as a current teacher here in America, um, it's heartbreaking and it's extremely just devastating to think about what happened within a school building, within a place that should be a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place where, violence is is not present it's a place that can be trusting and and is a a safe haven of a community um especially in a smaller town in a smaller city um i really outside of the game that i went to on wednesday i would say from the tragedy onward i really couldn't think about baseball all this week um maybe it's social media contributing to that. Maybe yeah. it's uh, looking on my Twitter stream and seeing that instead of White Sox baseball that was uh, occupying occupying my mind space. But um, on, on in addition to that, as a teacher, it hits different. Um, I'll say this: I, I went on Facebook, which is a mistake in and of itself, <laughs> and I saw an old one of my high school classmates who said that the solution. To this was our training and arming teachers um, while training teachers to handle crisis situations is extremely important um, giving them firearms in the classroom is uh, not the solution uh, especially as somebody that teaches in a urban setting uh, in a in a 
you know, in a Northwest West ish side Chicago school uh, where firearms and violence are all too real for children. Yeah. Um, me packing on my waist is uh, not the way to build trust and uh, respect in the proper way. So with that being said, arming teachers, not a solution. Um, just taking a moment of silence is not a solution. Right. Um, it's, it's up to our lawmakers. And I know there aren't policymakers on, you know, listening to this podcast, but <laughs> I, I would be, I would not be doing what's right if I didn't speak up on this platform and say that it's time for change. It's time for our lawmakers and the people who hold power in this country, the people who can bring about change. Um, if it, it wouldn't be right for me to just sit back and not say they should, shouldn't do anything because they need to do something. Um, front page of the New York Times um, listed off all of the, listed off, not, I don't know if it was all of them, but tons of mass shootings that have happened uh, in the last couple of years within the United States. And within all, and they took uh, whatever line it was from those original articles that said that the firearm was legally attained. It's not that these are bad guys who are making back alley deals for AR-15s, right? These are people who, the people who have committed these heinous and, and you know, heinous crimes and, and these atroc atrocities um, are people that obtained their weapons legally. Yeah. Um, so the fact that that is the a fact in all of these situations mm. um, means that, that there needs to be, whether it be, there needs to be change that is brought about, whether it be smart and more comprehensive background checks or AR-15 ban, um, whatever that looks like, it needs to happen. And bringing more weapons into the situation, especially within our schools, is something that I cannot advocate for. So, right. Tom, thanks for letting me have the floor. But, yeah, it's it's extremely saddening and disheartening when this is a common occurrence in the United States of America and there's nothing done to remedy the situation. 100%. And I'm, I'm just – I'm thankful for your perspective because it's like, you know, I feel like uh, it's so – easy sometimes for society to just ask more from the people who are already giving so much you know with COVID-19 it was just like you know oh these you know restaurant workers these you know grocery store clerks these you know uh, nurses especially doctors oh they're they're you know like doing what they're supposed to do anyway that's their job you know so that me i can sit on my ass at, at home you know and be safe like and and we're expecting that and then we're asking more on top of that even like oh why aren't your hours open like why aren't why aren't you letting me dine in right now or whatever it is and now like in this situation it's like we ask so fucking much from teachers already we ask them to be like crisis intervention specialists on top of you know subject experts you know 
and you know like it's just it's too damn much you can't tell me that it's logical to then ask them to also go through firearms training like it's just there there's too much on these people's plates already it's time and I, and i i really do i really do feel like this time is different so many more people are talking about it in a way that i feel like we haven't done in a long time and that gives me hope even though like i i don't know if i i don't know if that's a misplaced hope in the midst of this tragedy but it, it real i i have this inkling that this one's different this one's different i i don't know but i feel it so i hope you're right i hope you're right and you know i appreciate what you what you're saying about educators and teachers and you know the hard work that's that's poured into our kids day in day out mm -hmm. um and how exhausting it is and how there's already a lot on our plate and it doesn't even come down to that for me it just comes down to common sense let's just start if people are dying of mass shootings constantly right. and it's the same weapon the weapon is attained in the same manner mm -hmm. and we're not making the right moves to change those things right then what are we doing mm -hmm. it's a lack of care it's a lack of empathy it's a lack of lack of doing what's right so yeah people are just not giving a fuck which is horrible yep it's horrible man so well, oh. yeah, I know that's on a heavy note, but uh, right. right, it's uh, it's important to bring up. So I'm glad that we took the space to do that today. And thank you for allowing us to, you know, take that time from you. But, oh. <clears throat> you know, in I brought up COVID really briefly there for a second. But uh, guess what? Our White Sox were traveling to Canada. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> and Canada doesn't really, Canada doesn't really, uh, fuck around. And they, they have said that you can't come into the country unless you're vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So what that means, and we're kicking off a little segment here. He said it, Rick Hahn hit the media and he said, um, we will wind up making a couple of roster moves before we get to Toronto mm -hmm. because our current and active roster is not a hundred percent vaccinated. Uh, and as a result, we have two players who will have to be replaced when we get there. So I um, I don't want to speculate on who's who just yet, but it's it's just frustrating, you know, at this point. Like, you know, I, I don't know. I, and we're talking like years ago at this point, we were talking about like, you know, if you're not going to get it, I don't want to yell at you anymore because you're just not going to get it you know like it's it's a point it's a moot point but it's just like looking at it like it's frustrating because it's 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 something that shouldn't be an issue on a baseball diamond you know it just shouldn't be a problem where you're like having to make roster moves because somebody's conscientiously objecting to this like it's if if we were going to grow a third leg from this vaccine it would have started happening already like <laughs> right i don't right. know like it, it's 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 fine just get anyway but a thousand percent a thousand percent yeah i um frustrating yeah you said you didn't want to speculate yet on on who's who um so we won't do that uh 
in regard to who's going to be put on that, uh, we'll who, find who out. won't be traveling with the team. I should we'll say. find out, right? Yes. It'll be very obvious when they're not there. So. Right. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but Hey, it's luckily, luckily for the white Sox situation. It's, uh, only three games in Canada, right? Yeah. So it's not like we have to deal with, uh, and you know, Nine games, for example, with the Yankees. Think about yeah. that. They're guys who are unvaccinated. I think Aaron Ju- is Aaron Judge one of them, or did he get vaccinated? I'm trying to. Remember. I'm pretty sure recently they got a few more of their players vaccinated who weren't. Okay. Uh, oh, like Rizzo. I know Rizzo was one of them. Right, and I yeah. So I I I I think I saw a headline that like they brought their whole team or something like that, or they brought okay. anyway. So they're like, but that, that is a thing though. Like it's a, it's, and I think the, the, the sad thing about it is like the only way to convince them to do it is that it's a competitive advantage if they do. Right. Like, I mean, but Hey, whatever convinces you to get it, like I just see I mean. Hal Steinbrenner breaking into Anthony Rizzo's uh, hotel room and <laughs> stabbing his arm with a COVID-19 <laughs> vaccination, you know? I gotcha. Ah, like, surprise. So, yeah. So, hey, it's only three games and uh, yeah, we'll bounce back from it. And I'm really, you know, once again, I hope it doesn't come back to bite the White Sox, but we're going to see right. who those players are. And it's going to be a lot of, uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll, there's going to we'll, be a lot of memes and, and comments out there on the White Sox Twitter sphere. So look, it's all fun and games until our first series, our first playoff series is against Toronto. And yo, though, you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, like, it's a possibility. Like, they could be a, they could be a wild card team and we could win our division. And you never know, man. You never know. Absolutely. Well, you've got one more. He said it that you want to you want right. to touch on. And then we're going to we're going to wrap up there. Yes. And we we met, we briefly touched on it earlier. But this one, this one is this one's funny. So I, I, I yes, appreciate you giving and, me the uh, need to say this at the end. Jo- Jordan Miller was already in the comments saying, "Yeah, that a while ago. like." <laughs> so AJ Brzezinski takes an interview with our Chuck, who, uh, you know, whatever that guy's fine. <laughs> but uh, AJ Brzezinski is sitting in the dugout uh, at Sox Park, and uh, he's he calls over Jerry. By the way, Jerry's just walking around like he owns the place because he does. Because, yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> well, actually, he doesn't own the stadium. He doesn't uh, own the, the the city of Chicago or the state of Illinois or something. Owns yeah, it, yeah, whatever. yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but he's walking around like he owns the place, and and AJ calls him over, and he's like, "Hey, hey, Jerry, the White Sox should win the division by twenty games." And he says it into the mic, and then he and then. <laughs> Chuck's like, yeah, we're rolling, Jerry. What do you think? And Jerry's like, oh, hope, hopefully. <laughs> but this this man, AJ Brzezinski, who's who's a paid pundit, like to talk about the MLB, straight up thinks that the White Sox should be winning this division by twenty games. Twenty, like, I mean, maybe you're right, but that's not what it looks like right now. It's not going to happen. I could have told you at the beginning of the year that the White Sox weren't going to win the division by 20. 20 games. (laughs) It's wild. But what AJ is trying to say, yes, that's an exaggeration. And that's on brand for AJ Pruszynski to exaggerate a little bit, right? We all know what it was like having him as, you know, a staple in our lineup uh, on the 2005 World Series team. But we also know what it was like to have him as a thorn in our side when he was with Mm -hmm. the Twins previously. Mm -hmm. 
So mm-hmm. we've seen both sides of AJ Pruszynski as White Sox fans. Uh, you know, if you grew up watching the ball team, which Tommy was too busy, you know, <laughs> s- struggling getting hit by coach pitch, uh, underhand pitches when he was uh, actually it was, pro- it was probably overhand. Tom, I should give you some credit. I, it was overhand. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know, Tommy's so Chicago that he was playing 16 inch softball at age eight. So getting clocked by it while I was doing it too. Yeah, no, not quite. <laughs> so um no, and obviously like I said, a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's it's there's some truth in it in saying yep. that, you know, this team should have been slotted to win this division by by at least 10 games this yep. year. Should have been probably them as the only team above 500. Mm-hmm. Um the Twins like I said, playing great ball, the other three teams in the division suck right now and probably will continue to suck unless Cleveland's pitching ramps up and their offense is does something that's worth a damn um, and isn't, you know, and actually Cleveland's offense has been been better than the White Sox this year. So I shouldn't shouldn't talk too much shit. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I he's not wrong. Yeah, that's the thing. He said should. He said should not. They will win by 20 games, but they should. And that even if they don't win the division, that that statement's still true. They should have won by 20 games. Right. Like <laughs> and, and since we're on the topic of AJ Pierzynski, let's talk about him in the Fox Sports booth uh, for uh, baseball night in America. Uh, the Saturday night game, Cub Sox on yep. Fox on national television. This right. Year, right. Around uh, this weekend. So um, he's in the booth and basically. He was ripping Tony Larusa to shreds without really calling him out. Yeah, no name calling, but he absolutely was. He was like, "Yeah, like you know, Cueto's still in. This is really, really surprising and and really bold that Johnny Cueto is you know still in the game after almost a hundred pitches and and having issues, you know, kind of getting out of jams." Uh, I Cueto went way too long on Saturday, mm-hmm. right? And then he also commented on the lineup construction. Mm-hmm. Which was we mentioned earlier in the podcast, right? Uh, AJ knows it, and and he's not a major league manager, but he's a guy that was in in the league for what fifteen plus years. He knows what what switching up the lineup consistently and having no consistency does to these guys. Yeah. So kudos to AJ. I I got to give him props uh, for realizing what this team should be. Yeah, who knew in 2022 we'd be giving props to AJ when talking about the White Sox? Like, I don't. It's he. He does seem to be. I. I. I by the way, put this out there really quick. A lot of people, a lot of Sox fans, don't like what he does in the booth, and maybe it's because you know he's not as much of a hometown call as we might assume he would be. But that's because he's doing a damn good job. I. I sincerely like what he does because i think he's he's the kind of broadcaster that i like because he's willing to go off the cuff mm-hmm. just like and crack a joke guys guys electric he's funny he's he's mm-hmm. gonna call jerry over during the middle of an interview and make a ridiculous <laughs> like prediction about the team like no. fuck it i mean it's, no. it's a- aj aj has a future in broadcasting baseball Absolutely. for sure i absolutely believe that and he understands the game well enough and he's also He's not a water carrier. Um, he, he just kind of not he's a rod. He, he's he's a straight shooter that doesn't make ridiculous comments. And 
that's what a lot of baseball coming color commentators need to be. Yes. So. Yes. Like Steve Stone. Enjoy the ride. Yeah, yeah. enjoy the ride, enjoy baby. Enjoy the ride. That's my final thoughts. Steve, do you have any final thoughts? Steve Stone's a water carrier. That's my final thought. <laughs> well, on that note, where we disagree vehemently, um, <laughs> in Han we trust. Wake up this offense. We must, please. Need more consistency in the lineup. Need to actually hit the damn baseball and change the plate approach. Fire Frank Menachino into the goddamn sun. Again, I'm calling for it. Change the plate approach. Change the uh, lineup construction, though, Steve. Yeah, let's do it again. Uh, no, Change it one time to what it should be and leave, <laughs> leave it. Leave it. All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. Talk Thanks. to you. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all next week.